Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you're listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Neeraj Bardwaj. He's the president of Lodo Labs. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I'm uh, really stoked to talk to you. Uh, you, you your story is really interesting. H- how you brought the Lodo Lux to market is really interesting. Uh, but before we get into that, um, I got I to, you know, what, what's your background? H- how did you get into the cannabis space? Uh, yes, that's an interesting question, actually, because I'm from tech. My background is mainly... Um, it's mainly uh, semiconductors and nanotechnology testing. And the way that I got into cannabis is uh, kind of a personal story. My mother was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And when she was going through chemotherapy, uh, they were giving her all kinds of medicines to eat and to sleep. And, you know, chemotherapy is itself uh, poison. So she couldn't eat. And it was very, you know, it was, you know, sad to see her become so, so thin. So someone suggested that I take her cannabis. Now, this is an Indian woman who's never smoked or drank in her life. So I had to, uh, and myself, I've only done it a couple times before that. It wasn't something I did or practiced. Um, I had to learn how to uh, smoke it, and that meant grinding it and rolling it (laughs) with tobacco in this case, as the person who showed me um, to do it. So we were rolling splits, and honestly, mom felt fantastic, and she could eat french fries immediately. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was absolutely unbelievable. I was I was shocked at, at, at what cannabis could do when I felt great. So after she passed, I started smoking a lot of cannabis, and I really gave up drinking, and really really enjoyed different strains, and uh, kind of got into it that way. But besides that, I um I really really wanted to um, stop smoking cigarettes, and that's part of the way I got into the uh, into the vaporization space. I wanted to stop smoking everything. Well, so, so originally, you know, you had applied for a patent to use this technology for the glycerin propylene glycol uh, nicotine. Um, you know, so let's start with this. How did you originally get the idea for the Lodo Lux? Explain to me what sets it apart from other uh, vaporizers. All right. So the idea for the Lodo Lux kind of, it came from necessity. After, um, after my mom passed away, my son was born a few months later and I wanted to stop smoking. Everything. So, um, because obviously there are tiny particles that are caught on your on your clothing and it's in your breath. You you exhale carbon monoxide for, I believe it's months after, or maybe not months, but it's a long time after um, inhalation of, say, cigarettes. Carbon monoxide is ex- uh, exposed, so you don't want to have that around a, little, a small infant. So uh, I started vapor. I started trying vaporizer after vaporizer, and unfortunately, I found that all the vaporizers that I tried had had issues related to their heating technology. And uh, that's indicative with all resistive heating. So basically, I was frustrated with burning, breaking. Uh, and what I mean by breaking is there was a replaceable part, always like a coil or the cartridge, which happens to be the entire vaporizer. All these consumable pieces are annoying because they break. They also burn the material, which it intends to vape, as well as something called a wick. It's inside of a vaporizer as well. Now, this is different for dry herb and liquids. I'm kind of going to go back and forth between the two, but I'll try to be distinct when I do that. So we started teaching my son baby sign language. And in baby sign language, I met one of the most brilliant minds I've ever come across, um, Dr. Andrew Blalock. He is a Cambridge physicist, has um, 
taught there as well as other universities. He started a couple other startups in different spaces like uh, genome sequencing and scanning electron microscopy, and most recently a vape company with uh, with me. This uh, we have another founder named Gabe. He was a friend through ice hockey, and we frequently use the ice hockey rink for our first meetings. This idea for the induction vaporizer came out, and for the Loto Lux, which at that time we called the Evoke, came from um, a combination of wanting to make a different vaporizer with a different technology. And so we found magnetic induction uh, because Andrew said no one's doing it, so we patented it. A couple days later, we filed for a provisional. A couple weeks later, we shot a crowdfunding campaign, and um, you know, we get, the rest is history. Why did you specifically decide to use that tech for cannabis? You know, as a layperson, I, I'm not really clear on what magnetic induction heating is. So, so why don't you give us an overview of, of what that does and and why you know you chose that uh, chose to run with that when when you were designing the product? Yes, excellent question. Uh, magnetic induction is one of the four ways to heat up something organic. We know that that's. Um, we know that that's combustion. You light something on fire. There's irradiation with something like plutonium, um, which is very dangerous. There is resistive heating, which is how every single vaporizer today works. They all use a resistive wire, which is shorted over some power source, in most cases, a battery. And then, and we just discussed the burning, breaking, leaking. Uh, and then there's magnetic induction. So. If you're familiar with magnetic induction stovetops, I can explain in a moment, but this is exactly the same technology that we're using. So on a magnetic induction stovetop, you turn on the stove to 100%, you put your hand on it, it's ice cold, or room temperature, I should say. You then put a ceramic pot on it, the ceramic pot will do nothing, there'll be no interaction. You put a magnetic, a mag, a magnetic metal pot on top of that surface, and it will heat evenly itself meaning that the magnetic pot is the heater. The field waves create um, magnetic hysteresis as well as any currents which flow up and down the surface of that magnetic metal. This then causes something like molecular friction, which causes the heat to arise inside of the material. This happens very efficiently and very rapidly, depending on a couple different factors. And so we, um, we miniaturized and patented that for vaporization, for personal vaporization. How long did that take you, man? I mean, that, that just just you explaining it, it, it sounds you know sort of futuristic almost. But but so you know from from the time that you sat in that ice hockey rink and you guys said, all right, this is what we're going to do, until you know you drew up the patent. How long did that take for you to design this? Oh my gosh, that's a, it's a complicated question because. It took a very long time um, to completely to make this device. Well, that's the story of the last couple uh, the last couple of years, then, isn't it? We um, the concept didn't take long, but the implementation of a concept to an actual physical product uh, took a brilliant mind um, here in Silicon Valley. A gentleman named Darius Mustavi. He um, he came up with an original circuit designed for magnetic induction vaporizer. And we came up with something called a magnetic induction susceptor, which happens to be the heater and the wick, which is one piece. That piece, when placed inside of our magnetic induction field, will heat up evenly without contact. It's pretty amazing. 
So, and you, and you crowdfunded this thing. So, which which I find is is really one of the most fascinating aspects of this whole project to me because of, of you know the number of these crowdfunding projects that succeed is you know is very small compared to the, to the number that, that fall apart or never get funded. So can you tell me about the crowdfunding experience, um, about your experience in the crowdfunding space? Uh, yeah, let me tell you what's going on with the crowdfunding space. It was amazing. I helped launch this company. It built a core group of fans. It showed us market validation, uh, which was very useful for investors, and it was all around an amazing learning experience. Like There was a guy named Gregory Fox who came to our garage Mahal and he was amazing. He got to try the unit. We've had some other crowdfunders. Yeah, he's one of the original backers. We have a couple of these folks who have come and that we've met over the years that we've traveled to LA a couple of times. It's been it's been pretty remarkable the crowdfunding people that we've met. But the crowdfunding campaign um, doesn't get you to product. Not for people. I, I can can say it with confidence. Unless you're knitting your own hats, if it's something that's a uh, complicated electronic device, you still have to have more money to get to a uh, product. So we had to raise more funds like everyone else. And in doing that, we had to build prototypes to prove that this technology was viable to ourselves and obviously to investors and to the community. So it, um, it took a long time to do that. And we had some pitfalls along the way. We, um, we worked with a very ambitious company in Silicon Valley that was our first design firm and they did maybe some unscrupulous things but generally they lost key personnel. The gentleman named Darius, he, um, he had left the company for a variety of reasons and because of that we also left that company and that set up a variety of different, um, different things that happened to us. We, we found a new design, design firm, we had to change the design this took a long time, and then there were respins of the boards. We had the tool. There were a number of different things that happened, but so you you had mentioned that you had a couple of setbacks. What kept you going when you you know hit a snag, and and what did you do to maintain support? Oh, that's a good question. So the way that we the way that I um, was able to maintain this company during this time, it was pretty difficult because I had uh, new kids. A new kid, sorry, and then another new kid later. And uh, having children is very, very complicated with the startup at the same time because of sleep deprivation. But what kept me going through this, I, maybe it was some kind of mania because I couldn't really, I can't really tell you how all, the, all this came to fruition, but really what, what kind of kept me on this path was the patent. The fact that I knew we had something. This is a real technology. This is something that's impressive and amazing. And I think that, because I'm a user of this technology, I'm maybe the only user out of a couple of us. Uh, I knew this is something really important and really significant. And we also had a lot of experience. We also had a lot of interest from some massive companies worldwide, private equity firms to other corporations that are in this space. And because of that, it was obvious that they were eyeing us to see if we'd live or die. So I chose to live. What amongst the 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 crowd funders, you know, the, the general public, not just the investors, but the individual that uh, helped with the crowdfunding, how did you maintain their support? Oh, so let's talk about that. This has been um, a tricky situation for us. We, as I mentioned before, had several setbacks and this, um, 
we, we, we try to always convey the most up-to-date information we had. And while that seems the most ethical and smartest thing to do, it is now proven to be wrong to me. I would say that we should, I would say that what we should have done is we should have waited to communicate longer at the beginning, but instead we got whatever information we had and we passed it along to our crowd funders and it was extremely overzealous. And, um, that being the case, it, we, 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 um, that being the case, we missed our deadlines and missing deadlines is a terrible thing in crowdfunding. However, we have extremely supportive crowdfunders. Unbelievably. There are very many vocal, um, crowdfunders that you'll find from our campaign that are very upset that they haven't received their units yet. But I think all will be forgiven as soon as they receive those units. However, the majority of the people, the vast majority of the people have been supportive and it's been remarkable. I mean, it, 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 it takes a lot uh, for, for any individual or entrepreneur or, you know, so, someone in a startup to be able to, uh, you know, come, come out and admit, you know, that, that mistakes were made and, and not make excuses. So, so I applaud your candor, uh, in those regards. And, you know, I, I know that, uh, I know that they're starting to ship here pretty soon. So congratulations, you've made it, right? We made it. We got here. We did it. We made the, we made the units. We put the money in. We have made it. They just have to ship. Next year is going to be an interesting year for us. This year, we just need to focus on getting little luxes out to our crowdfunders and to the market. Well, I, I want to talk to you a bit more about your experience in, uh, in, in the space. Uh, before we do that, we got to take a break. This is the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfold. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at to activate your unique coupon. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfall, here with Lodo Labs president, Neeraj Bardwaj. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, the fact that you've, you've, gotten, these, uh, you've gotten these units, they're off the line, uh, you know, you, you're, you're entering the market with a product. Uh, tell me about your experience thus far in a crowded and competitive market, such as, you know, cannabis vaporizers. Yeah, good, good question. Um, so I worked in semiconductors and non-destructive testing for um, about 15 years, both of which are very, very competitive and crowded. I was in sales and marketing, and, um, and I can tell you what I learned. I learned that uh, companies with the most protectable IP and more products in their IP pipeline have the best shot at long-term value creation. Because without IP, and that stands for intellectual property without such a thing, you will always have me too competitors 
And it will basically come down to who has a better marketing budget. Cannabis is a lot like semiconductors. At the beginning, it grew at an absurd rate. And so, I mean, obviously cannabis is growing at an absurd rate. There's room for lots of competition here because the market is growing so incredibly fast and a high tide lifts all boats. Another thing I gleaned from corporate life was in a competitive market, the customer wields much more power and companies really have to account for that. So that's something that we're really focusing on. You may have noticed some of our rebranding efforts, um, which is a very difficult task. And the voice that we've been speaking with now, we have some new personnel and couldn't be more, uh, couldn't be more grateful to them for coming on board. So, so when you were, when you were entering the space, um, you know, you mentioned intellectual property. That's not something that's really afforded uh, to a company that touches the plant. We'll say so. Was 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 the ancillary industry? Is it a little more appealing for you because you have those IP protections? Well, yes. Um, obviously, as an ancillary, we're an ancillary company to the cannabis market. We're ancillary to the tobacco market. We are the don't smoke market. So, so as as a you know new entrant to the cannabis accessory industry, what has struck you the most about the space thus far? So, so far, I would say it's the support and enthusiasm that people have for this industry within the community, cannabis community as well. Uh, you don't really find that in semiconductors. I also think a common misconception you hear is about the green rush and all these cannabis companies making lots of money. But the reality is that this fluctuating, uh, uncertain, and changing market is uh, is making it very complex to do things like banking and to use credit cards. So we, we get lumped into these categories all the time, and it makes it quite challenging for us as well, because it's, especially because we are um, not pro-cancer. Let's put it that way. Very anti-cancer here. So it makes us really upset when people are comparing us to whatever reason, whatever they want to stop us for it. It's very upsetting. And, and you're talking about because your product is used for, cause it's, it's not a smoking device. So, so why are you lumped into this sort of market? Well, vapors, vaporizers are ancillary to the nicotine. Fortunately, we straddle tech cannabis and, and nicotine as well as other herbs and medicines, but yeah, it's uh, cannabis is, is viewed. I mean, sorry, um, vaporizers are viewed as paraphernalia. What has the response been from people within the cannabis industry? People who touch the plant, you know, they're, they're what, what has been their sort of response to the Lodolux? People within the industry have given us some interesting feedback. Uh, the biggest feedback we get is that uh, the flavor, the flavor of their Cannabis is unbelievably better with our device. If you look at, say, concentrates, for instance, every device that I can think of actually ends up burning some of the some of the um, concentrate. Our device does not, and it creates an unbelievable flavor. So it, it maintains the terpene profiles. It's not so. There's a lot of things you can do. So our device is extremely customizable. There's an app that allows you to change settings. Um, you can change, obviously, the way a terpene profile is inhaled by adjusting different heat settings and unlike a normal um resistive heating device where you have a, a bell curve of heating um 
that goes up and then it goes down. Ours has an attack, sustain and decay, much like an electronic keyboard. So there's an attack at the beginning when you start um, heating and then there's sustain and then there's decay. Very digital um, in comparison because the temperatures are able to change so rapidly. How, so, and this is done through a, through a phone app. That's correct. So how did you figure this out? How did you figure out that you could maintain some terpene profiles with differences in heating? Well, it's just been a lot of testing, actually. It's been quite a a lot of testing over here. Um, Yeah, it's it's a complicated process. I can't quite say the exact terpene profiles or exactly what's happening. But obviously something's happening, and it's going to take some PhDs some time to research this and come up with... uh, you know, a set of a set of values for what's happening here. That's, I, I mean, that's that's a super super cool function. Um, I, as a guy who really enjoys my vaporizers and especially my um, my live resins and, and things that maintain terpene profiles, that's that's a really exciting feature for us. You know, terpene snobs. Oh man, you're gonna love it! You should see what uh, what happens with the dryer. There's different settings for that as well, so you can go from like a very smooth flavor, a very nice experience, to all the way to something like incinerate. <laughs> and, you just, and that you know, it's uh, people like to do that at the end. It's incinerate that popcorny flavor out and just take it in. So I don't know any other vaporizers that can really do that. I. Uh... I have I haven't heard of one yet, my man. Um, I want to talk to you a bit about your cannabis cup experience, but before we do that, we got to take our last break. This is Entrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfall. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis-friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com slash businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. 
Hey there, welcome back. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault. You're listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm here with Neeraj Bardwaj, president of Lodo Labs. Um, so, so you guys went to Cannabis Cup. I've been to one. Uh, so I, I, whenever you know, I, I find someone who's, who's been to one, I really like to talk to them about it. Um, describe your Cannabis Cup experience and, and how did you leverage that opportunity? All right, so that's it. Um, yeah, let me tell you about that. Um, I, we've actually been to several cannabis cups. We've done a lot of research before we went to the one where we presented at the uh, 2014 Denver Cannabis Cup. Uh, I would say my experience with the cannabis cups are a lot like my first experience with the uh, Oktoberfest. Um, going to Denver, uh, the mecca of cannabis at the time, um, I say at the time because I think it's going to shift to California, but anyways, um, it was exciting. And we saw a lot of different things. A lot of interesting people were um, were at these events. We met a lot of the general public that uses our that would use our device. Um, it was a really really interesting thing to have thousands of people try our device in such a short period of time. Uh, the feedback and support we got was was amazing, and basically everyone loved the taste. That was a big thing. We we heard three things mainly: the flavor is unbelievable. Oh, you can switch capsules so easily. Uh, that's pretty amazing because unlike other vaporizers, you just fill these capsules in advance and you just pop them in our device because there's no mechanical or electric connection. Um, and then, of course, then there's the uh, then there was a fact that we had an app that would control these different things in real time, I should say. And and so when you unveiled at, at this event, you know, were what was going through your head as as someone who's worked on this and and you know saw it you know from from an ice hockey rink to being tested by thousands of people? I felt like I felt like I felt like I was on pins and needles. Uh, it was so unnerving because we had gotten our first prototypes ever, the very first ones, four days or three days before the cameras got. We had to rework them. On in our hotel room, we had to buy soldering irons and rework them in between day one and day two. We lost three units in between those two days as well. <laughs> it was incredibly difficult, a uh, very stressful time, but uh, the team made it a little bit more more enjoyable. But it was still that canvas cup was in, very intense, very very intense. <laughs> Everything done has some interesting story attached to it. So your first time there as a vendor, you'd been to Cannabis Cups uh, prior. What did you, you know, what did you learn from other vendors that were there? Well, the main thing I learned was that everybody's burning the materials. I, I mean, literally burning them. That's that's kind of the kind of the way people do this. I, um, especially with concentrates. But I wanted to mention very briefly that you know our device works with everything. It works with dryer. It works with dry. Um, tobacco, other herbs and medicines, it works with e-liquids, e-juices, all these things work with uh, heating discipline, which is induction technology. You're, you're, you're really candid in, in describing sort of, you know, the, the setbacks that you experienced, which, which not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of guys are open about that. Not a lot of, you know, CEOs or presidents of companies are open about that. So what's, what's your advice for other entrepreneurs who are probably facing a lot of the same problems that you faced early on? Um, the advice that I would have for entrepreneurs, first of all, you're insane. Know that. 
I'm an ice hockey goalie. Everyone thinks I'm crazy anyways. But besides that, I would say, and this advice is crazy, but I got it from my dad who started his own company, an ultrasonics firm, in, his, in my grandparents' garage. Uh, they're, they're a 30-something-year-old company now, or maybe almost 40 years old. Sorry about that. It's almost 40 years old. Because um, it started the year I was born, which is very interesting. Same thing started with my side. We started the same thing. But my advice, sorry, I digress. My advice is, from my father, he said, you can't fail if you don't give up. Think about that. It's really crazy. In every way that you think about that, on every level, that's an insane way of thinking, but it's true. If you don't give up, you uh, you don't fail. So that's what I thought. That's what got me through uh, the tough time. You know, I, I learned a couple other things that I think are good advice as well. And the biggest deterrent to being great is just being good. And I really love what uh, my friend Christian Sands at uh, Skycatch says, and he says to his team, humble nimble, reliable. I think that really is an interesting mantra and it, it really fits our company really well. We're able to do a lot of things. We're really nimble, but at the same time, we're here and we're not going anywhere. Have, have you ever heard the phrase better done than perfect? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's, you know, not, not like anyone should, should ever listen to my advice for entrepreneurs, but that would be my advice is better done <laughs> than perfect. Absolutely. That's very, that's very, um, that's very apropos because, you know, in Silicon Valley here, we, we like to say that if you, if you're happy with your first, um, shipment, then you ship too late. That's a, that's a really interesting one. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. Well, no, it's, I mean, so in B school, they taught us that, uh, you know, for startups and for new tech NPIs, new technology introductions, you really have to be shipping your MVP almost. And MVP stands for minimum viable product. If you look at software, if you look at um, a lot of different companies who have learned from different, let's say Six Sigma and Kaiser and all these things put together, there's definitely the idea that you need to ship and iterate as fast as possible. Fast fail, that's a really important thing. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, I was just trying to give one piece of advice, but basically I can give a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... You know, we, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the listeners appreciate, again, you know, your, your sort of honesty and your straightforwardness. Um, so, so where can people find out more about the Lodo Lux and, and how to uh, obtain one? So the Lodo Lux is sold online at lodolabs.com. We um, have limited supplies, so I would rush to get as many as I could. Honestly, because these are not going to be made in this kind of device again. We're going to be iterating, obviously, as fast as possible. But this device is, um, honestly, I'm floored by the performance and by this device. So I think you'll see when, uh, when you get in your hands how incredible this guy is. Well, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show, man. Um, again, you know, I, it's not often that I get somebody who you know, is, is as excited, um, about what they do and, uh, you know, their, their, your openness, your openness. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, can't wait to, to see, uh, you know, the, the Lodo Lux and, and the response and, uh, you know, what you guys come out with next. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if you can, uh, I mean, my candor comes from the fact that I don't have time for anything. I don't have time to 
BS or gloss over stuff. I'll just be straight right at it. This is what happened. This is what happens. There's nothing to hide. There's, yeah, there's absolutely nothing to hide. Well, I, I appreciate it, my man. And thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Good talking with you. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Sebastiano. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. Gontrepreneur.com.